Greetings and salutations. You are listening to the Into the North podcast, where we take a look at the competitive side of the Commander format, also known as CEDH. I am one of your hosts, Reed, aka Sick Robot, and today I am joined by my co-host Morgan, aka Spleenface. How's it going, everyone? And special guest Claire from Who Brewed This. Hi. Um, so in this episode, uh, we're going to be doing a very belated coverage of uh, all, all of our experiences at Oktoberfest and potentially some other discussions, but we'll see how all that pans out. Uh, but before we get into any of that, Claire, would you like to introduce yourself to our audience? Sure, yeah. Um, my name's Claire. Um, my pronouns are she, her. Uh, I'm a member of uh, the CDH Pundit Creation and, and Extreme Team uh, who brewed this. Uh, with um, Scoots and uh, Pedro Cicada, um, and yeah, we I mean we stream on Twitch uh, typically Thursdays um, uh, at around six PM Eastern Standard Time. Um, I play a lot of CDH. Uh, I played in um, the MLC this year. Uh, did okay. Um, I'm, wor- I'm working on you know uh, leveling up a little bit, but uh, so I wouldn't say I'm like the greatest or anything, but uh, I feel like I'm capable enough so yeah um, and you'll be prepped for next year exactly exactly we're definitely working on um increasing those win percentages for sure (laughs) awesome uh so uh again before we get into the uh main topic uh we're just gonna get through some housekeeping and new developments first off uh so first off for housekeeping we have our new patrons uh for this episode uh who are thomas o and harley m uh thanks for being patrons you guys uh make the show run and give us the ability to do our uh gameplay episodes that are still ongoing and hopefully should we should be getting another one out at some point in the future but uh thanks much appreciated um in terms of new developments uh we have a couple of things that we're uh, gonna be on in the next month or so uh, one of which is the Oops All Salt charity stream, which I should have pulled up on literally anything before I got into this section of the it's podcast. It's December seventeenth and eighteenth yep. uh, <laughs> okay. on Twitch on uh, Oops All Salt's uh, Twitch TV channel. Uh, they're raising money to fight cancer, and so if you're interested in you know watching, they've got like just a, just a whole a whole mess of CDH content creators. Oh yeah, they, uh, they've on, got like including the actual like, massive now. stream team. They got playing with power. They got play to win. You know, and us, we're we're just like them, right? Uh, Sad yep. Nas, <laughs> uh, Elder Drunken Highlander. It's gonna be it's gonna be a grand old time. Oh, it's gonna be a great time. Uh, so definitely make sure to uh just come out, tune into the stream, hang out for a bit. Uh, maybe donate to charity a bit. All that stuff, obviously. Uh, no requirement to, but we would appreciate it, and I'm sure the Oops All guys would appreciate it as well, guys and gals, non-binary pals. Um, in terms of other, the other new development that we have, uh, there is uh, going to be another Path of Dominance, which is the r slash CDH servers uh, CDH tournament series that they've been running uh, for one event so far, but they are now going to be running Path of Dominance 2 uh, on, again, <laughs> uh, December the 17th. Um, so make sure to go check that out if you have that day free. Maybe go play in it to show some support. Uh, and if you are, uh, then me and Morgan are actually going to be casting, uh, for that event. Uh, I think we have the early block, so rounds like one to three or something like that. Um, later 
in the day. So if you're not playing the event or if you finish your round early, make sure to tune into the broadcast, hang out, say hi. Uh, and yeah, we'll be uh, just hanging out doing comms. I'm actually, I'm, I'm super excited for that because again, I, I don't think either of us get to do comms as much as we like to. And it's a good time. Comms is, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, but obviously it's, uh, it's always hard, you know, because you also want to participate in tournaments. So yeah, it's, uh, it's good to have the opportunity to do both. Uh, cool. So, uh, aside from all that, we can get into our main topic, uh, which is, uh, Oktoberfest. Um, very, very belated, but that's fine because <laughs> we definitely have other podcast episodes that we have in the backlog and definitely haven't completely run out of ideas. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I think we're going to start from sort of like just the start of the event, as I think is probably usual for our event recaps at this point, and sort of just like go through, uh, talk about some stuff that happened during the event, talk about some highlights, talk about. Uh, our decks, etc., uh, and just whatever comes comes. Um, so in terms of uh travel in, uh, Claire, uh, I know that you said that you are very lucky in where you are located because flights to Philadelphia are what like an hour. Yeah, hour and fifteen minutes or so. Yeah, so not not bad. No, not at all. <laughs> De definitely not the uh eleven hour drive that we did last time to get to Philly. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. No, I thought about <laughs> doing Punt that City. um for Punt City. Um yeah. and then my ride uh couldn't make it. Um mm. so I was like, okay, I'll just take a flight and it was very, very smooth and I got to hang out in Philly for a little bit prior to the event, which is nice. Yeah. Which is honestly like it's such an underrated part of like flying places even if it's like only like a five hour drive away it's like oh yeah i just like get to sort of hang out and especially if like if i'm like less than a half hour um from the turn or from the airport rather then it's you're just like cool yeah we'll, we'll hang out we'll get up at like a reasonable hour on the on the monday to have a flight back or whatever um in terms of our travel to the event uh as said before, yeah, so we did the 10-hour drive for Punt City in Philadelphia, like, a few months ago, and uh, Morgan made the executive decision to swear off all driving past, like, <laughs> five-hour road trips, which I think we fully agree with. Uh, th there's no complaints here, so we're basically always going to be flying down to Philly if we ever do it in the future, as we did this time. Um, it was nice. It was very smooth. Yeah, it was uh, definitely... I mean, compared to some of the other places we've traveled, you know, it being close helps helps yeah. enormously, admittedly. <laughs> but uh I think like it I I'd probably even place it as being like a better travel experience on the whole than either the drives to like uh Niagara or the drives to Montreal for GPs. Yeah. Or yeah for MFs sure. as they're called, I guess. God, I hate that. <laughs> I'm not gonna get stuck on that, but I hate not called GPs anymore. Well, I guess the I guess there are GPs at Magic Fest now, but you can't like you can't like say GP Toronto anyway. Um, yeah. You'll so have to uh, I think he hates change. <laughs> <laughs> Just yep. I want everything to be the exact way that it was when Magic was created in '97, <laughs> and never progressed past there. Um, which is why I play Boomer, Crassius Timid decks, and not whatever the new spice that people are playing is. Anyway, <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah, so I figured uh, we'd probably go through, like, a couple of highlights of tournament play. Uh, Morgan, you already published a uh, tournament report, um, which people can go check out for, like, a more in-depth uh, version of uh, what you experienced at the tournament. Uh, Claire, have you published any 
recaps um, or anything so far. I had a couple tweets about some games okay. that I had, but not I had not like the whole tournament reports. Some of my games were kind of rough, to be honest. Yeah, there there was like there was a lot of uh, I I would call the tournament weekend for Oktoberfest uh pretty emotionally taxing on the whole. Not necessarily because of the event itself or the format or anything, but it just seems like a lot of people had like um pretty like pretty emotional experiences in terms of like how a lot of the rounds went and just um yeah just like playing in general i mean it felt like i don't know maybe it was the event but it, it wasn't really how the event was run it just like felt very important right like it, it felt like a very big thing well and i got i got very close to making the cut i was 44 yeah, in the swiss yeah. um and that that was rough i was really like fingers crossed there right before finals like oh can i do i make top 40 um and it was it was a little crushing to hit 44th but uh yeah, it was but... De definitely better than my punt <laughs> city performance and i'm hoping to keep improving yeah i mean it, Reed, Reed it, definitely it, like... has some stories about just <laughs> missing the cut uh i yeah like uh, actual unreal stories <laughs> i'm not gonna get too far into it but like yeah i i 100 percent feel where you're at and also like the actual, the cut at Oktoberfest actually ended up being pretty brutal because there was just, like, a sea of 11 points um, sort of, like, clumped at the bottom of the cut because it was a cut to top 40, so, like, top 8 got buys to semis uh, and then the next 32 all had to play quarters to make it into semis. Um, so, like, the cut stretched down pretty far past, like, what you would normally see at a CDH tournament for, like, cut to top 16 um, or cut to, like, top 13 or whatever. So there was just, like, it, it was basically a cut, like, right, right in, like, the top third of a pack of people with, like, all the same points. And it was almost entirely decided on breakers, uh, whether yeah. you got in or not. So there were there were a bunch of heartbreakers in that uh, in that cut, I think. Um, thankfully, I made it into top 40 at 39th because we <laughs> ID'd at table 10 <laughs> for the just last Never round. didn't have it. <laughs> always always we knew we were gonna make it wasn't even worried about it <laughs> so like very like very very realistically like i think like two of the people who i did in our pod didn't make it into the top cut either so like i i oh. very reasonably could have like missed top cut off of that that's um, that's gotta be crushing like, like yeah just it like, was... i'm sure i've got it and then oh god yeah it was like i i had a feeling like so when we were at that table, I'll actually go over this because I think like it's probably one of the most noteworthy um, experiences. Oh no, actually, okay, I'll, I'll. There's one other game that I sort of want to note on, but <laughs> yeah, that that last pod, we all sat down, and one of the guys was like, "Yeah, so like I, sorry, this isn't like mocking said person or whatever, but just to give a frame of sort of like what happened when we all sat down is like, yeah, so I'm like actually like a math teacher slash was he like a math a math prof or something? Um, anyway." Uh, he was like, yeah, so I have, like, a pretty good idea of, like, the math required to, like, make all these, uh, like, like, what happens during this cut. Everybody, everybody at the tables above us are actually playing out their games, ex except for, like, the top table, which doesn't matter to us anyway, because they're all making the cut, uh, no matter what. So, if we draw, and everybody else above us is playing, that means we all have, like, a very, very good shot at making top 40, because, like, they're gonna leave people behind and we're all at 10 points and the cut's gonna be at 11 so we should all probably draw and like the entire time we're talking about that like obviously like we asked a judge about stuff because people always have to ask about ids um at cdh events especially um and then 
So the judge is just, like, standing behind us being like, okay, like, you can continue talking about this because we've been talking about this for, like, ten minutes since the start of the round. It's like, okay, you can keep talking about this, but you actually have to, like, resolve mulligans and take game actions and stuff while you're talking about this in order to, like, you know, not all get slow play warnings. So we're like, oh, all right. Um, and the entire time I'm just like, ah, I, I like really don't want to take this draw because there's a very real chance that I miss the cut. But also like, I think I have the like second best breakers in this pod and like pretty good breakers among the sea of other people that like could potentially get in. So I'm like, at the very end, I'm like, yeah, all right. I, yeah, we'll, we'll take the draw and it, uh, barely worked out. <laughs> So, yeah, I, uh, we had kind of an interesting experience because I was, uh, near the top of the pack because I was, um, I was three, two, and one. Uh, and I think there was one person who was four and two. Um, and we were, like, discussing the ID and, uh, because everyone else in the pod was on, like, similar. I think there was someone who was, like, three, one, and two, or, you know, th things like that. Like, everyone had at least like 15 points. Enough, yeah. Um, Sorry, the structure was five for a win, one for a draw, zero for a loss. So everyone in, in the pod had 15 points. We're talking about the ID, like that all, you know, we're locked in anyways. And then basically, originally it was like, I was, I didn't really want to take it. And then I was like, you know what? I'm fine to like, I'm fine to take it if like, that's what the pod wants to do. Um, And then, then they come over, they're like, oh yeah, you guys are the feature match. And we're like, oh, well, we're probably IDing, um, <laughs> but, like, we can just play an exhibition match. And they were like, no, if you're the feature match, you, it has to be for real. Um, so, so basically being pressured into it on the So spot. we were like, well, I, I guess we'll play. Um, and wound up, uh, I wound up doing some absolutely very disgustingly not okay uh yes on things on on stream so that was satisfying <laughs> yeah there was a there were a couple actually yeah i did have like a really <laughs> this is this is another i guess i'll just talk about <laughs> just some more of the rounds because there's like some pretty interesting ones yeah i did some like pretty disgusting things to the first table that i played which was like i I think at Punt City, I had the most dominant game of Tim the Thrasios I've ever played. Um, but I, this one, this time, I had probably the most Thrasios abusive game of ZDH I've ever played uh, in the first round of Okotoba Fest, where I think I had turn three uh, Thrasios, Soul Ring, Barmancer's Familiar, Cradle, Seedborn Muse <laughs> all going. And oh it was just like. Yeah, just, like, unreal amounts of, like, just nobody had removal either, so it was just, like, cool, I'll pass, alright, cool, end of your turn, on turn three, draw three cards, <laughs> next person's turn, draw another three cards, next person's turn, oh, cool, untap, great, you're all dead. <laughs> just, like, this, it felt incredibly disgusting, because the hand that I kept didn't even have black mana in it either, or the Seaborn Muse, and then I ended up just, like, drawing, like, land drop Seaborn Muse off the top, uh, for, like, the colors plus the Seaborn Muse that I needed, and I was just like, this is, this is not okay. <laughs> you see, that kind of, uh, feels counter to my experience, like, I played Winota, um, yeah. and that, uh, room was definitely ready to take down commander-centric strategies, or at uh, least it felt very, like it. Yeah, very. Because, <laughs> um, like, uh, the words before combat are 
have given me some amount of uh, trauma for sure. Um, yep. Because I definitely had like good hands, uh, explosive hands that uh, definitely just like ate like sorts of plowshares, other removal spells, bounce spells. It was it was rough. So I definitely had some good games though. Um, the one that I really kind of had a good time with was um, oh gosh. I believe it was, they did uh, two rounds the next day, so this would have been round three. Um, I'm oh one and one right now. I started with a draw, then lost my round two game. I go into round three, and it was like Jetmere in first position. Um, Just a, great to see as a Winona player, by yeah. the way. <laughs> Malcolm, uh, Timna in second position, Urza, um, Polycracken in third position, and then me. And I end up with a hand that, um, like, I turn one Winota. Um, I believe there was a Phyrexian Crawler as well. And um, so I play those out, and then before it comes back around to me, um, the Urza player drops a Graftigger's Cage. So yeah. <laughs> I spend most of the game under this Graftigger's Cage, and the Jetmere player keeps dropping these layered stacks effects to prevent me from being able to remove the Graftigger's Cage. I've got a um, a Skyclave Apparition in my hand, but uh, like a Hushwing Griff comes down, then a Sirolf <laughs> yeah, comes down, yeah. and it's just like, <laughs> wow, there's a lot of things preventing me from doing this, and I'm hyper-focused on what the Jetmere player is doing so that I can remove... The Graft Digger's Cage. Jetmere removes the Malcolm Timlin player, then goes to remove the Urza player. At this point, um, unfortunately, I'm a little salty. And I'm like, yeah. I, I just kind of want to go, like, there's a, I have a lot of friends there. I'm like, okay, I think I've lost this. <laughs> yeah, I just want to uh, like, go play games or yeah, hang out with people that I like, actually exactly. want to hang out with. <laughs> I, so I was like, uh, you need to, I, I'm telling this guy how to win, essentially. I'm like, <laughs> you need to attack me, because if you don't... If you don't kill me before that Graft Digger's Cage goes, you haven't done anything to my board. So I can attack. Yeah, I've got like just three. Kill you. Yeah, I've got like three yeah. Winota triggers on board at this point. Um, and the guy almost calls me for slow play, and I'm like, all right, fine. I'm a little <laughs> great. Make your play. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Um, so I I shut up. Um, and I'm just you know I'm I'm a little salty, but um, the Urza player is like, no, play it out play this out because this guy is not listening to you at all he's gonna kill yeah. me and then you're gonna be it. and so what happens is is he kills the urza player and i'm like all right all right that's fine um go to combat <laughs> winota triggers um oh i, I land a rick prior to kind of dissuade. Great. um <laughs> yeah of course it's not it's not an online the anthem isn't online yet i've got three humans not, i've got like yes for sentinel winota and rick in play and then uh i believe it was Eidolon of Rhetoric, um, a Hope of Girapur, and a, the Phyrexian Crawler. My board hadn't really been interacted with. He wasn't swinging at me. Um, so I go to combat. I swing three Winota triggers. First one is Blade Historian. <laughs> yep. Then it's like Mob Catcher Thalia. And um, at this point, the, the, um, the Anthem's online. None of Jetmere's, the Jetmere player's uh, things have more than four toughness. I have double strike. So I gain something like 30 life at that point. And yeah, I can tell that this guy is just 
immensely tilted um, because he thought he had it locked and it was just like, he, he didn't listen to me. So. <laughs> you gave him the answer, like, like verbally, like, tell, okay, you need to kill me. It's like, no, 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 I know what I'm doing. I'm going to attack this person. Immediately dies. <laughs> yeah, and I face. don't mean to, like, like, rag on the guy, like, tournaments are high-pressure situations. I think he may have thought I was, like, 40 chessing him or something along those lines, which I can totally understand. You don't want to listen to people, like, in Campariel events, or you want to try and at least understand if they're, like, trying to get one over on you but yeah, yeah. Uh, the way it ended up was uh uh quite quite a cool win um i did end rounds uh two three and one um i ended up winning my round six i just kind of walked into it to be honest it was just like um turn one winota and a creature swing get mock or get zealous conscripts in play and then swing again, get Mog Catcher in play, and then oh, just yeah. go to my turn four, activate, get Kiki Jiki, win the game. For you, neat. <laughs> yeah, the only interaction was a Krakashima pilot, and they had only naked Krak in play, so they like go to Brainstorm to look for interaction, it goes back to their hand, there's a Thalia in play that I put down, so like that's the only thing that they can do, and at that point I just had it. Yeah, Thalia versus Naked Krark is like potentially the, the most the most frustrating position to be in as a Krakashima pilot because oh, it's like yeah? yeah, I can I can technically do things, but like a large percentage of the time I can be paying four mana to try to cast this brainstorm twice and then dying because I can't do anything. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. And it uh that th at that point I was like, okay, maybe I maybe I can make the cut, but no, it, it didn't end up doing it. But I'll take 44th, that's not, it doesn't feel terrible, like, out of 150 players, 44th isn't too bad, so. Yeah, oh, yeah I mean, a like, very, very respectable finish. You put yourself in a place where if the breakers had just gone your way, you would have made top cut, right? Which is, like, about as much as you can ask for, I feel like, in a lot of CDH environments, where, like, I, like, I think the end goal, probably, for, um, like, the realistic end goal, uh, for, like, being really, really, really proficient at the format is to try to, like, consistently just make the top cut at any given tournament um and i basically count like i mean obviously like it doesn't have the same gravitas but it's for me it's effectively the same if you like have the same record and just like unfortunately lose out on breakers because mm -hmm. of who you played against or just because of the tournament format it's just like okay well that sucks didn't make it in but like i did well enough where i could have on any other day yeah, for sure. And I'm I'm definitely not, like, disappointed with it. But just looking to play some more tournaments now to try and uh, increase that. So, increase the and amount dude, of tournaments. Such a good, it's such a good time to get into playing tournaments CDH, too. I mean, like, there's the, like, just having the entire uh, eminent circuit going on next year, plus, like, a bunch of the IRL tournaments this year. Uh, Monarch, I, I think, is still running events. There was yeah. talk of them so. uh, taking a break, but we'll see. I don't know what Joking is doing. Um, I, I hope he sticks with jo it, though. What I Joking is doing is just killing himself through overwork. So, yeah. it, it, like, Nick, if you're listening to this, go take a break. <laughs> I know you probably already are, but like, holy moly. Um, Much love, though. But, he, he put on a wonderful event. For sure. That was a great event. Uh, yeah. I like it was actually, I think, unfortunately enough that quality of events coming from Monarch at this point seems to be inversely related with how much I see Nick and Libby during the weekend and interact with them. <laughs> because it seems like this one like went off 
basically without a hitch, I think. Like, I think it, like, ran very, very smoothly. Um, and yet I did not talk to Nick and Libby at all because it seems like they were just, like, continuously working behind the scenes to get everything to run smoothly. So, big ups to them. Absolutely. They definitely deserve it. All the uh, monarch who does, for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, I guess... Uh, yeah, I guess we can talk, um, Morgan, if we want to talk pop cut for a second, just to get... Well, I guess first, I, I have to, I have to share my, oh, uh, my, my funny round story. Um, oh, yes. Which was, uh, so, they, people were, were being real slow after time was called, which, you know, happens at a lot of events, unfortunately. Um, it's something I think <laughs> most TOs are acknowledging we need to come up with a solution to. But uh, they wound up pushing around a day because otherwise they would have been starting whatever it was around six at like eight eight thirty. Yeah, uh, it was. It was with, late. And that's like with no. Late. That's like with no dinner break. Yeah. Um, and so, anyways, it's round five. Uh, we are. Uh, I'm playing against two like Tim decks, but teched to be grindy. Um, and then which there Kizuru were there Nukima. were a couple of those at the tournament yeah. that weekend. Like there were like a bunch of like no Nas Timnacron things that were like sort of breachy. But anyway, yeah, for sure. Um, isn't, that what, isn't that what Rebel was playing? Something similar. That's what Rebel's yeah, playing. Rebel, I think Rebel, one of them did have Nas, but he he was. St- yeah, one of the two Timnacron players did have Nas. One of them didn't, but even the one with the the Nas was still like relatively heavy on. He had like he had a couple of like the hate, you know, like. There's sort of that yeah, set yeah, of, yeah. like, three or four hate bears where it's like, do we play Dothy? Do we play Lavinia? And he was like, yeah, I play those. Um, but anyways, uh, I got stuck on lands relatively early um, and just had <laughs> Thrasios and a training grounds that I was activating, like, once a turn. Um, as there were... Uh, my second land got op-agented. And then a second op agent came down, and I had, I think, five tutors in my hand at one point. Um, (laughs) So I'm just, like, not really doing much. I eventually got up to, I found a Dockside, and I found a Psych Rift. And I managed to overload the Psych Rift with a Windfall on the stack. Um, Unfortunately, one of the op agents immediately came back down. Um, Like, we just flashed in in response. That's that's how that turns out a lot of the time you're just like and i then, hope the psychrift will remove my problems and then it doesn't <laughs> and then uh i drew i think exactly a dispel and had to live through two different players untapping with 12 cards in hand um uh, from the the rift windfall uh kazurnukima untaps he goes cool i'll play this yog will out of my graveyard i'll replay like my mana crypt a dork my Mystic Remora, and my Op Agent. I'm like, guys, please. Just, can I search my library once? Just once? <laughs> um, and then, uh, Tim Necrom lays out some hate. He pithing needles my Thrasios, which was extremely rude. Uh, <laughs> so rude every time it happens. <laughs> yeah. It goes to my turn. I, like, play out some stuff. I still don't have a lot of, like, persistent mana. Um, I, I, like, replay my dock side, so I have some treasures. I pass. Tim Necrom flashes in a, uh, a notion thief in my end step. 
and then he untaps, he like casts uh he casts Underworld Breach and time in the round is called. So we're like discussing what do we do about this? Do we have interaction? Eventually it's like, no, we don't really have interaction. Um so I go, well, I guess I can solve this. Uh I'll cast my mystical tutor into an op agent. You can find my like whatever it was swan song yeah. and you can counter this so we figure that out it gets countered he then goes cool i'll cast this tainted pact um he starts flipping he flips like he gets really deep before he sees wheel of fortune he counts he doesn't have 28 cards left in his library so he can't notion wheel us um so he keeps going he gets down to like four or five cards and we're like well that's kind of spooky um and he flips uh, Ranger Captain with two cards left in his library. Uh, Just unreal. <laughs> he casts the Ranger Captain. He has one land up. I go, I'm like, oh, okay, well, he can't. I guess he's trying to, like, you know, just use this to not lose. And then I went like, wait, have you played a land this turn? <laughs> he goes, no. I'm like, all right, well, so now the Timnacrom player casts a tutor into the op agent to get mind break trap to counter the uh to counter the, the ranger, ranger captain, captain. The and then i go i go wait a minute uh uh there's a mystic remora trigger on that you should draw so he draws forcing the timnacron player to draw with his notion thief one card in library i flash in an archivist of ogma forcing him to draw zero cards in library the ranger captain gets countered, and he casts the Thoracle, to which uh, the other Tim Crown player responds with a consult for his own Thoracle, forcing him to draw, losing the game. Kazuru then goes, okay, untap. Uh, I'm gonna try and chain of vapor your op agent. Uh, or sorry, no. He goes, I'm going to plunge into darkness for all of my life except one. Uh, and then... I'm going to try and chain your op agent, which uh, draws Force of Will pitching the Thrasios. Or sorry, not the Thrasios, the, the Thassa's Oracle. So but now cool. Tim DeCrum doesn't have a Thassa's Oracle. <laughs> um, and then he goes, well, I guess I'll abrupt decay it. And then he's out of mana. But at this point we go, wait a second. The other Tim DeCrum player died in turns. He still had a turn coming to him. We talk with the judge. Kazura Nukima gets an extra turn. Like because, he takes the yeah, turn. Like the number of turns is locked so in when time like, is called. Yeah. Um, uh. And then <laughs> it goes to Tim Nakram, who he goes, I'm not winning, but here's what I'll do. I'll Savine's wreck back my op agent. Uh, so there are now two op agents again. I'll play uh, a Draneth Magistrate and a Cursed Totem. And I was like, straight <laughs> <laughs> results. Thrasius yep. is Pithing Needle, there's a Draneth. <laughs> There's a cursed totem. I can't search from two op agents. Sounds good. He passes the turn to me. Um, people were like making comments like, I guess it's a draw. I go, cool. Use my carpet. Make four mana. Spend all my treasures. Tap all my lands. Finale for ten. Get back this flyer. Swing, kill the table. Amazing. <laughs> and this was like 40 minutes scuffed, into time. Just the most <laughs> like, scuffed wood of all time. It's like, I just, just let me leave. I want to get off Mr. Bones' wild ride. <laughs> just, 
I love I love the idea of a finale of Devastation just sitting in a hand for an entire game through two op ages and just being like, fuck you, I don't need to search my library, die. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that was that was the like, end of, of that day. And then I just went we, we like went to a restaurant where everyone had already like gotten their food because they yeah. left they left like twenty minutes after the round ended. <laughs> and it was like, oh yeah, oh, my yeah, round went an extra twenty that minutes. That was the shawarma place, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's great. Yeah. Actually, a great place. I was super down with that. <laughs> I just, <laughs> like... I wanted fat and salt, and it it delivered. I was like, <laughs> yeah, sounds good. This was what I wanted. I was, uh, I wanted like literally any food, and then I realized that they were like still serving tea, and I was just like, that is actually the best idea ever, because it's after like a massively long tournament day, and it's like 9 o'clock, and I would just love a cup of tea, thanks. <laughs> so, I was I was very down. Um, and then, yeah, I guess uh, Top Cut, I unfortunately didn't make it out of uh, quarters, uh, because of a game where I was in last position against three decks that were all on like relatively turbo-ish stuff um as well as uh i scried a lab man to the bottom off of thrasios activations three times that game oh wow <laughs> with a thorn in my hand it just like I, I had to keep like shuffling to like fetch lands and like i i think I, like i tutored once or twice and it just kept showing up on top of thrasios activations and i'm just like i really don't need this please go away and then i just hit lands instead and it was like great cool I guess I'll die, and then we died. <laughs> um, and then, uh, Morgan, uh, you played semis because of the cut. Yeah, it was actually, I feel like we should explain, the, the cut was actually an interesting format. Um, yeah, which I, was... I, I explained it earlier in the episode. Oh, you did? I oh, I yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I went <laughs> directly to the semis because I was fourth overall. Uh, I got into a pod with, you know, just all my friends, which which sucks. Yeah, um, the, the, the team kill was actually, like, so real, that pod. Um, so, uh, I opened with, like, kind of a ridiculous start, which was, uh, land, training grounds, crypt, soul ring, into turn two, Thrasios, double activate. Um, and then, uh, yeah, it, things got a little weird, uh, in that, uh, Alana, who was on Rogsai, uh, flipped a Grand Abolisher off the top with Ragavan, and then goes, cool, Dockside, I'll cast the Grand Abolisher. Um, which, unfortunately, <laughs> made, forced me to, to spend my Mind Break Trap. Um, and then I went to my turn, found my own Dockside, and had the mana to play Grand Abolisher, and then play Aven Mind Sensor, Neoform it for a meal, and activate targeting my Dockside. Um, but unfortunately, uh, Alana had the, uh, the Pact of Negation to counter my <laughs> Grand Abolisher, uh, and then, uh, she lost because I destroyed one of her treasures with a Force of Vigor, so she couldn't pay, and, uh, her Dark Ritual to try and pay got countered. Uh, my Mind Sensor landed to, to take Ian's, uh, um, Enlightened Tutor, but he had a Sylvan Library that drew him, like, six cards, and then short on turn four, he just, uh, went, cool, Dockside, Emil, and, uh, and we died, but, uh, <laughs> it was, a, it was a, a wacky game. 
That was a yeah, definitely. <laughs> I I do love that game explicitly for the counterpoint to uh the anti Sylvan Library meta discussion. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because, because yeah, Sylvan that Library hundred percent won in the game. <laughs> won in the game, and the game ended on turn four. Like it yeah. was like, pretty explicitly uh, a good. So card. I know. I know Brian Koval won the event on Tim Prom, but the event definitely felt like green is still good. Like, oh, it was a hyper mid rangey event. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like obviously, like obviously, Tim Necrom did like put two in the top uh, four and like a bunch of the top sixteen, top forty, and stuff. Um, but like honestly, I feel like that's less of a testament of uh TNK's um like turbo ness or speed or whatever, and more just a factor of it. Still just being a very good mid-range deck with reasonable win conditions. In fact, top-tier win conditions. But also just, like, again, being very, very reasonable in mid-range grind games. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah. Tournament, tournament felt pretty, uh, pretty mid-range, even compared to, like, other IRL ones, right? Like, uh, I think Punt City was definitely more nausea. Um, Yeah, Punt City felt super nausea. Like... My I was on Karkashima in Pun City and like yeah. almost no one removed my creatures. I just got kind of <laughs> uh Krog said no a lot <laughs> just, to me that, that day. Yeah. But um but yeah, the it, compared to the to Punt City, this definitely felt like super mid rangey, super green pods for sure. Which is actually sort of surprising because uh, apparently like a bunch of people brought Rockside to the tournament too. Um which, like, I don't know. Like, I, I get wanting to get under the mid-range decks, but, like, we went over this on, uh, we had a listener question a couple of episodes ago, I think, where it's, like, what, like, what do you need to, like, uh, like, cycle out of the mid-range meta and back into turbo meta? Um, and, like, I, yeah, th like, we came to the conclusion that it's, like, it's really hard to just, like, like break back to turbo immediately without like a rotation through stacks or like people trying to go over mid-range and then like getting under them with turbo um because like none of the turbo or sorry none of the mid-range decks have really like cut any of their mid-range hedges or sorry their turbo hedges too many uh, too, too many names of like uh yeah definitely like, people pe pe people like people haven't cut mind break traps or anything like they're, they're people are playing like miscasts mind mind break trap both forces um fierce like it's just all this free interaction and like a bunch of hate as well like i mean you were on deafening sounds right like be it, like yeah, the mid-range yeah. decks well, are still I, I, like i was turbo. i mean i was on like archon so and and either oh true so, yeah, like, yeah. I'm, i was true, playing right? like somewhere halfway between uh, uh stacks and uh and mid-range deck but yeah there were definitely a lot of uh a lot of like mid-range decks with you know a collector roof and they were certainly playing the uh the anti-turbo hedge cards so it it seemed a little rough for the turbo decks that didn't have a good um a good pivot plan yeah did you um claire did you feel like it was uh did you feel like it was more of a like removal differential between uh punt city and oko or was it like a threat assessment differential do you think like in um that's a good question. Um, I'm inclined to say that it was more of a removal differential 
Mm. Um, just people on more swords of flash errors and uh, yeah, a lot of rem- a lot of uh, well, a lot of bounce spells too. Um, uh, sure. In fact, I would say those were ma- the majority of the things that I saw. Though I definitely did see some fill spells as well. Um, I will say I know I got a lot of hate at Pun City, but I didn't get like removal hate. I just I being on Karkashima, I got a lot right. of like stack hate specifically. Yeah, just like aggressively countering um, yeah. things before you're even like necessarily going for it. Exactly. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I'm not like super super surprised. Uh, just because like yeah, it it feels like people are like teching more toward the more interactive games, but also like. It's weird that people are both finding space for like more free counter magic as well as more removal in mid range decks, um, well, or potentially that's not like a per deck thing and more like it. It might just be like pods just happen to have like a bunch of removal plus a bunch of interaction. And I mean, it you the thing about it too is that you can kind of like wait to see what your pod looks like before you uh, use your removal. Like, um, if you're playing true, in a bunch actually. of like. Uh, Timnadex or a bunch of Thrasios decks, like those slide under the radar like so easily. Still, like people just don't remove <laughs> yeah, Timna, they great. don't remove Thrasios. <laughs> yeah, no, I know, and, and that's why I'm playing Blue Farm right now. Um, just because the amount of free value you end up getting off of those commanders, I yeah. think way exceeds like these explosive commander centric strategies like Winota and Clark, which I I typically like playing, but it's just <laughs> which, the which. Sorry, it is just yeah. funny that we're saying that with the context of Ian just having top four in another tournament on Winona. <laughs> no, I know. Well, I mean, Ian is kind of a freak of nature, to be yeah, honest. Like, yeah. One of yeah, the, we, yeah. yeah, one of the best competitive EDH players I have ever had the pleasure of talking to, and absolutely a lovely human being as well. Who also, yeah, made top four at uh, this tournament that we're currently talking about as well. Just He was on Bron Waker, though, right? He wasn't on... Yep, yep. Yeah. At, at, as well as winning a tournament on Tibbet, <laughs> like yeah. just before. Um, so yeah, this might actually Morgan is this? So okay, Claire. Sorry, uh, let me know if I'm interrupting you and like getting mm-hmm. you off track. Please, please finish what you were saying before I got us onto the. Ian oh, appreciation it, I mean, it, I, I was pretty much done. It was just the. It definitely felt like the meta choice going into that event was to pick a value commander not a commander that's going that serves as like a win condition like winota or Kark. Right. those felt very like kind of hamstrung in my experience whereas the decks that had like lots of value engines uh definitely seemed to be doing much better like a lot of the timna decks a lot of the Thrasios decks um that was just my experience personally i know a lot of people like did well on rogsai um so and i don't really consider that uh deck that uses its commander to get a lot of consistent value you get your value once off of your rog and then you kind of either win or you don't yeah it's it's sort of to speed up your win attempts rather yeah. than like you know producing value at all i was gonna ask though like morgan do you think do you think ian's current run outweighs your 2021 run wait was it last year it was last year right or was it 2021? i i don't know i uh you know, Ian's a great player, and I really enjoy his company, and I don't necessarily want to, you know, get into, <laughs> get into that uh, on the pod. Okay, you know what, we'll, the, get, uh, we'll get Ian. Into the dick measuring competition. 
We'll, we'll get Ian on next podcast, and then we'll I'll ask that question again with him present, so we can. Yeah, we'll, we'll have a we'll have a, a big old Donnie Brook and and really <laughs> really hash it out. Um, cool. So I like yeah, sort of like as a as a segue out of like talking about like general like meta. Um, I did actually sort of want to do like at least like a quick review on what each of us came away with in terms of thoughts about the decks that we played uh, at the event. Um. Claire, if you would like to, um, because I know you're <laughs> sort of we're we've been sticking on Winota for a bit, so it might be worth it to sort of finish off the the thought about how you thought it performed during the weekend. Aside from you know, like obviously there was a lot of uh, there was high Winota aggro. Um, I'd say yeah, for sure. Um, but were you happy with like how the deck performed aside from that? Like if if there wasn't quite as much aggro, do you think you would have been? Um, yes, um, I think I mulliganed really well. Um, I ended a lot of games with like a turn one Winota and, a ta- and an attacker. Um, I just didn't really have the, um, I didn't have the nuts. I didn't have like the defensive pieces in hand. I needed to be sure. able to defend it. Um, so I, I don't know. With decks like that, I try to present a problem and hope that the table can't deal with it. Um, that's very much my strategy on Kark too. I often am like the way that I play that deck. Um, I'm often casting like Jessica's will turn two into a naked Kark and just hoping, um, that's a common play pattern for me. Um, if I can't develop a whole lot. And then with Winota too, I definitely felt like I set myself up for success. It's just that sometimes people are they have the answer and they're waiting to use it for you so and that happened to me a lot unfortunately but uh, i'm a big fan of the deck i'm definitely keeping it together um i just currently with uh, the amount of removal that is being used in this sort of mid-rangey meta um i am taking a break from those decks Yep. And um, joining in <laughs> on the the uh, the Timna Krom club, I'm a big fan of uh, the Blue Farm currently. So, um, just like I said, mostly because of table psychology more than anything else. Yeah, makes sense. Um, Morgan, thoughts on uh, how Blue Pod performed during the weekend? I I was I was singing the praises of Blue Pod that entire weekend. Honestly, I I still think I love that. I still thing. think it was like I I think it was a really 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 good choice for that weekend still so um, i i it, it was an interesting one because i felt like it was really well positioned against like it was really well positioned against the turbo decks um yeah i lost to uh a turbo deck in round one where uh <laughs> it was a it was uh cyrus for mental misplay he, uh two of my opponents opened with ancient tomb talisman and I looked at my Force of Vigor, and I went like, so I could just, they could just not have colored mana. Colored That'd mana. be cool. <laughs> um, And so I went, yeah, you know what? Screw it. We're going to pitch. I forget what it was. I pitched something. I just blew up both of their colored sources, and I was like, nice. This will buy me a lot of time. Um, And then Cyrus <laughs> untaps, goes, cool, play uh, a black producing land. Uh, cast this mana crypt I just top deck play Tevesh. I was like, great, just, just fantastic. Cool. Yep. And then, uh, and then on turn three, he went cool. I'll play another land and cast Ad Nauseam. I was like, yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> Turns out yeah. the, uh, the, 
Yenit player with blue blue open just just didn't have anything and we died to Nas. But <laughs> apart from that, like every other game, I was able to either get some value and have interaction or play like a deafening silence or a collector roof. Um and it definitely felt uh like I had the tools to like deal with those decks um pretty pretty reasonably. Um uh, it I I did wind up in a few pods where it was like, oh crap, everyone's on mid range. This is awkward. Um mm. and I also did run into problems with like um in particular uh, one of my pods had a Karkashima player who... I had an Aetherswarm Cannonist and a Collector Roof, and he kept removing... I think he bounced the Cannonist, played some stuff, bounced the Oof... I replayed it, he bounced the Oof, played some stuff, I replayed it, and then he bounced them both and tried to go for a win, and then passed to another player who then was able to win very easily because there was no oh, stacks. Yeah. Um, he, in fairness, he made like a really solid attempt at winning and almost got there. Um, but, like, it was, it was a little, uh, unfortunate on that front. Um, but generally, yeah, I was really happy to have the stacks I did have in my deck, and felt like, once things started getting staxed out, um, I was pretty comfortable, like, uh, I managed to beat a Yisan player, um, by, like, I found a, you know, I was able to, like, tutor a Mind Sensor, and then assemble a win. Um, yeah, just, like, you have and, and things like to all that the stuff required to so, deal with those decks. And even against other mid-range decks, uh I was relatively happy. Um I drew a pod against Ian and the uh, there were there was an evolution, a Dawn Waker and Blue Pod all in the same pod. Um <laughs> and yeah, big, big shock. That. The three Thras Bruce players took their pod to a draw. Who who could have seen this coming? <laughs> Crazy, um, wild. But uh, but yeah, I I was I was really happy with it. Um, I ran into like a couple more mid range decks than maybe would have been ideal. I wouldn't have minded, you know, maybe like the Zerda. Um, but uh, overall, yeah, I was I was very happy with how it performed, and it felt like it it was good in the matchups that I brought it to be good against. Yeah, which is like a good sign of like. It's at least a, a nice indication that, like, you have a good understanding of how to work around the meta, even if, like, the read might be a bit off, which I don't necessarily think it was. I, I think you had a pretty good read. Um, like, just a bit more mid-range in terms of variance, probably. Maybe also just the meta in general, but, like, I think it was just a good call. Um, yeah. Oh, I guess, yeah. Uh, I brought, I ended up bringing um, Sacred Deluxe, as always, as is typical, I guess. Wait, you probably could guess if you've been Thrasios Timna to a tournament. <laughs> no. I'm I'm pretty open about what I'm bringing to tournaments in terms of like if I'm if I'm playing anything else than Thrasios Timna, you probably just won't hear from me at all leading up to a tournament. But if I'm talking about a deck that I'm playing at all leading into a tournament, um, you pretty much have a great idea of what I'm actually playing. Um, yeah, Secret Deluxe felt pretty good. Um, obviously I didn't. Oh, I, I guess I didn't really talk about this a whole lot. Uh on the Mind Sculptors recap video, which uh, you should also go check out if you want to uh, hear more about the Oktoberfest stuff. Um, great cast, but um, yeah, I, I sort of went into the tournament with, like, probably less than 10 games of CDH having been played in, like, the previous two months before showing up, um, and then I basically, like, just hadn't played CDH at all for, like, the week leading up to the tournament. Um, 
just really bad idea. You really shouldn't do that <laughs> in like just a tournament for anything for that matter. Um, should probably like, you know, stay sharp and like actually practice before leading into it. Um, but I didn't. Uh, and I was definitely punished for that. Um, there are a couple of games where I think if I had, uh, had been sort of like had the practice had stayed sharp leading into the tournament, I probably could have won them. Um, which is a shitty feeling for myself, but uh, pretty good feeling about the actual deck because the deck itself, I think, could have won uh, basically every round that I played except for like one in Swiss. Um, and then I don't think I could have reasonably won the quarters game, but that also sort of more felt like my deck punishing me for throwing away games that were very winnable in the Swiss. Uh, rather than the deck underperforming, I think. So, um, yeah, felt felt decent. Uh, for anybody who's keeping up with the development of the deck, uh, I did not miss Yasan at all. Um, <laughs> the the uh, Divining Witch felt very good. Um, and then, uh, as well as that, uh, I think we are basically in a pretty good place with the deck right now, and I feel like the only thing left to be solved is the Chrom problem, but that's an overarching issue that we're still looking at. Um, please don't look at the... <laughs> The Paradox server, because there are a lot of bad ideas that we've been throwing around to try to fix that problem, and I'm not confident in any of them. Except for, like, maybe a Scrib Ranger, but that, that seems terrible. That, that can't be right. <laughs> I knew, so I, I was a little thinking about bringing this up on the podcast, and I knew I'd garner some sort of reaction from Morgan. <laughs> You know what? I I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna extract myself, remove myself from the entire just complete negativity of my co-host. Claire, what do you think about Script Ranger and Thrasios Dimna? Um You know what? I'll take that as an answer. It's it it it, it that's the it's a card. one it's one very much that with pro blue, right? <laughs> yep. And flying and uh, uh, Crane yeah. Ranger. It, yeah. it it blocks Krom. Definitely does. <laughs> but like I mean so does a stone coil serpent. Yeah, but you can't you can't neoform Eldritch Evolution or Finale for a Stone Coil Serpent. Okay, but hear me out. Vampire Nighthawk. Oh, <laughs> uh, I uh, I used to love that card in Innistrad Standard. <laughs> oh my god. Or Zendikar, Zendikar Standard, excuse me. Yeah, I'm not gonna get too bogged down in this, but Definitely one of the considerations at one point for this slot was uh, Baleful Strikes. <laughs> Just for blocking large commanders and also generating value. But... I haven't seen a Baleful Strix in a CDH deck in years, I feel like. I uh, I had it in uh, Timna Ishai for a bit, um, because that deck was hilarious, but it, I don't think it's ever actually good enough for the deck. I just, you know, I was playing because I... Found a deck that I could play a Baleful Strix in, and so I played a Baleful Strix in yeah, it. I mean, it's a, it is a Timna attacker, for sure. 100% is a Timna attacker. It attacks through Krobs. It's crazy. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, I mean, that's I, I think that's pretty much all I have to say on the deck right now. I'm still working on it. Uh, I just need to play it more. Um, but uh, I think uh, before we, like, depart wholesale from... Because I, I, think, I think we're pretty much good about talking about the actual tournament part of the event um unless anybody has like specific things they want to touch on aside from that uh but before getting out of uh the competitive mindset completely i did actually want to ask claire because um i i think we had a brief discussion about this uh at the tournament sort of i was as it was winding down uh toward the end of the event um the event 
but we didn't like talk super super in depth about it and we didn't uh i i sort of wanted to get it on, like on a podcast or on recording because i think i thought it would be pretty interesting sure. um but really just like asking about um sort of your experiences with like uh, just getting into tournament CDH more recently because you're in a really interesting place right now where you're, I at least from my perspective, where you're in the midst of sort of like starting to grind tournaments a bit more, try to make it out to the ones that you can, maybe playing some online ones uh, just more often and sort of like looking at it through the perspective of wanting to like ring percentage points out of the game rather than like um, necessarily like play like, classic cdh of like trying to play the best at a given deck not necessarily like thinking about tournament results or like tournament metas i mean so i i get bored with decks pretty easily so i end mm -hmm. up jumping around a lot um so events being proxy friendly has definitely been helpful in that regard um i uh am definitely doing that though like i um am watching the meta i'm feeling like i am taking experiences from certain decks and trying to get a feel for how the meta reacts to those because I've my first two IRL tournament experiences have been on very like as I've said commander centric strategies right that have felt um interesting to play into they definitely re require a lot of politicking which i'm is not a skill that i'm particularly good at at the moment it's something i'm working to improve on um so that's it it's given me a lot of insight into that specifically and as far as like being able to argue for certain lines of thought within a game right um or certain lines of play in a game um and how you would necessarily go about doing that. And that's a skill, like I said, I'm trying to develop because of the information that I've been able to garner from that. Um, but yeah, I, I really am just trying to um, increase the amount of tournaments that I'm playing and, and my percentage points in those tournaments. Um, and I've always been really interested in the CDH ecosystem too, not necessarily a single deck, but how decks interact Right. in the kind of the pool of the meta and which um, is like that that's really important for like an understanding of the overall meta and like what might like what might influence like deck choices and card choices right exactly and there's a I mean, there's definitely a bit of a rock paper scissors game when it comes to archetypes um but things can change based on politics and mulligans and all kinds of things you're never really kind of down and out completely but uh it's it's definitely been a, a good experience. Um I just kinda dived in um with uh with Punt City um being my first event and then with this and then I've been trying to do more online tournaments too, as you said. Um and uh yeah, it's um I don't know. I've I'm used to comp REL stuff. I've played in modern events and stuff yeah. like Which that. Is a, so it's a unironically like or like not like not trying to uh what's the word uh anyway uh it's a huge boon <laughs> to be yes. comfortable playing at yeah um, um and and that is something i noticed specifically at okotoberfest not so much at punt city it seemed like the crowd at punt city was very much experienced with that kind of stuff people kind of knew 
what they were doing as far as like playing at a competitive rules enforcement level. But um, at Oktoberfest, it definitely felt like there were a lot of people there who this was their first Comp REL event. And I definitely made some judge calls that I like felt really guilty about um, because, I mean, that's what you're supposed to do. If, if someone's yeah. committing a, a rules violation, even if it's not intentional, they didn't notice the stacks piece, you can't just have them take it back. You have to get a judge to contact them and see how you're going to back up the game based off of what the judge wants. So, um, yeah. I am definitely... a huge, huge proponent of uh, calling judges aggressively, especially in CDH. Um, CDH gets really, really weird really quickly. Mm -hmm. um, or, like, can turn on a dime into getting into incredibly strange rules, <laughs> like, rules interactions and stuff. Uh, and I, I think people do not call judges, like, aggressively enough at all. Like, I'll call a judge, like, on average, probably once a round uh, over the course of a CDH tournament. And I don't think that's bad. I mean, no. I definitely feel the same if I see something, if I catch something that is an illegal game action. I'm definitely calling a judge 100% of the time. Um, just because you want to make sure that, like, those things get backed up in a fair fashion. Yeah. Um, and uh, so that has definitely, as you said, it's been a real boon for me as far as these events go. Um, I'm definitely trying to not, I'm trying to take some advice I received on Twitter um, from actually both Ian and Rebel about not letting it get to me when I don't perform better than I have previously, which is something I've been trying to focus on with my Mox Masters 2 performance the last weekend. Um, yep. Just because uh, it is, uh, there's a lot of variance in CDH, and uh, it doesn't always go your way, unfortunately. Um, yep. But hopefully, uh, we can uh, start increasing those percentage points. And I'm, I've got some um, resources I'm taking advantage of to uh, try and get better at the politics. And um, I feel like my mulligan's good, my my play is is good, but there's a lot of specific decisions in these high highly complicated board states that um i can definitely struggle with um it's why i tend to play turbo decks is because mm. you tend to cut back on the amount of decision points and interaction points when you're doing everything fast in the first couple of turns but when yeah, you're and, like and oh there's sorry. like there's also just like less um there's less space for uh Oh, it, this is a weird way to phrase this. I'm not sure there's a better one, Morgan. I, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about and can probably get it across in a better way, but, like, disruptive table talk, if that makes sense? Um, <laughs> you two are masters of that, to be honest. <laughs> but, no, no, but, like, but, like, if, like, I guess to explain it, like, um, like, table talk to stop yourself from dying? Or, like, to stop, like, just stop like game actions that are actually detrimental to you from resolving or happening or like happening that turn right like there's just less of that when you're playing a turbo deck because it's like you're sort of there's like this unspoken social contract at the table where it's like yeah i'm trying to kill you <laughs> like i'm not the table police here i'm trying to murder you and i'm just gonna be trying to do that so like i might try to deflect like attention away from me but, um, like, a lot of the table talk isn't about, like, oh, you need to, like, interact with this person uh, over, like, this spell. Or, oh, you can't do that here. You, like, you need to hold up mana for this. I think, I think it, like, when you oh, play a turbo deck, it's a lot... Oh, no worries. It's, it's a lot harder to, like, make the case that you should be kept alive 
as like a yeah, long-term thing. Sometimes you can be like, hey, you can let me resolve like this spell specifically because that person is the bigger threat. But you can't sort of deflect focus away from yourself um, in in the same way by by essentially trying to argue that the pod or like the person you're appealing to wants you in the game for the long term. I definitely feel Which like think... that's a strength of these like uh, Thrasios Bruce decks, like Dawn Maker oh, yeah, Blue 100%. Pod. Like they definitely take advantage of that kind of perception of being able to stick around and be sort of the table police. Like a lot of decks want them around to be able to stop the faster decks. Um, and that is a really real psychological advantage, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the... Green might not be dead in CDH, <laughs> as some people claim. Yeah, I think, uh, I, I, I honestly think it's, like, a really, um, it's a really core part of playing those decks at a really high level, too, and having, like, success with them in a, a really, like, competitive environment or tournament environment, um, of just, like, even, um, a lot of the time, even, like, stuff like Blue Farm, um, can play in that way, uh, where, I mean, it's less of a core skill, I'd say, for Blue Farm, but, um, it's definitely like one that applies there, but I think yeah, it's probably certainly a relevant skill for like Thrasius mid range decks a lot of the time where it's like, yeah, like I'm, I am like sort of like in a position where I, I, I'm liable to kill you on turn three. Like there's, there's a lot of the time, like maybe not for the Bruce stuff, but like there's Thassa's Oracle and like consult my deck. I can do that. I guess for Bruce, it's like, yeah, there's like, there is like a dock side and an MEL in this deck. Like I, I can just kill you if I, if I need to early, but um, yeah, like, you're also sort of in a place where you can you have like plausible deniability around that fact where it's like yeah i'm not a, i'm not on a quick game plan this game i'm you know table police so you need and, to keep me alive and you need to like not disrupt me here so that i can like keep you alive and it's like once you add black it's like that plausible deniability goes away uh i i would i wouldn't say like when you add black obviously i think i think Thrasios Timna actually does lose a bit of that compared to Thrasios Bruce, but I think the actual answer is when it when you have Grixis in the color identity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like you you it's it then becomes like, okay, yeah, sure, but also you're like a breach non-historical deck with rituals and stuff. Like you can kill us out of nowhere here. So like there's less there's less like inherent trust where it feels a lot of the time in like Thrasios Timna, Thrasios Bruce, like there's a bit more inherent trust because, like, more like the moving pieces in the strategy of the deck are more visible. Like they happen on the board rather than in hand. So, like, you can sort of like build trust with the table through that. Yeah, and and that's definitely a case for like green over red. As if you're playing as like a, if if you're more of a social player and you're able to kind of like get in people's heads and shift table perception. I'm not good at that. That's why I <laughs> tend to like Grixis. Because Grixis is very much like I'm. It doesn't matter what I say. Um, yeah. If I I'm, have I'm it and I can defend it, I'm gonna win. So I'm the problem. You have to deal with me. You have exactly. To deal with me, cool. You die. <laughs> clap clap. Next game. <laughs> um. Yeah. But yeah. Like it's. I. I just thought it was interesting to sort of talk about um, sort of your experiences getting into it uh, more. And like obviously, I think like both me and Morgan, a lot of other people are. I'm happy to watch you attend more events, play more stuff online, see how you do, because it's it's interesting to, like, watch people that you know, like, and <laughs> are in good relations with, just, like, you know, like, invest themselves a bit more in the game and, like, uh, 
and try to pick more of it up, right? Because there's a lot there. Yeah, there's a, there's definitely a lot of depth. And I'm, I'm at the point where it, I'm, you know, I have functional understanding of the moving pieces, um, but I'm not quite there as far as manipulating perception at the table. And I remember Ian um, mentioned to me, I was talking about my frustrations with like politicking. He's like, well, it, I mean, it is a social game. Yeah. Um, and I would, that was very much like, um, epiphany moment that like, this is a skill that I really need to be able to develop, um, in order to find success when I don't have just the most proactive thing going on at a table. Yeah, definitely. Um, cool. Uh, so I did want to get into a couple of the other highlights of the weekend because there was a, an event happening around the tournament as well. Obviously, a bunch of people showed up, a bunch of uh, friends of ours and friends of everybody showed up uh, and got to hang out. And it was a great time all around. Um, so I just wanted to sort of talk about some of those moments, too. Um, I know personally, uh, I had a great time playing a deck that I revived from the ashes from like two to three years ago um, at the event and have been playing ever since. Uh, which is Malcolm Timna, uh, which I absolutely love. I don't love the way, or sorry, I don't love the commanders Malcolm Timna. I love the deck that I built around <laughs> Malcolm Timna. Um, it's just sort of like a blue white flyers, uh, like asymmetrical hate list, uh, and it is it has been an absolute blast. Um, you just play like a bunch of torpor orbs because there are three flying torpor orbs for some reason now, um, which is nutty and is great and uh makes for some really fun game states for you and not for the rest of the table so. i'm remembering that game we played um outside <laughs> of rounds where i'm playing morgan's holland deck and yep. there's a there is both a hushbringer and an intruder alarm in play so and, nothing yep. untaps <laughs> and a grafter's cage as well as a notion thief and a linvala i think yeah <laughs> Yeah. yeah it was it was a it was a, a headache of a board state for sure <laughs> uh um so yeah i just i had a i had an absolute blast playing that deck over the weekend uh and have been uh having a ton of fun playing it ever since uh y'all have any um like any uh just fun moments from hanging out with people over the weekend that you wanted to get on podcast Oh, I really loved um, Alan's cube. Alan from Mental Misplay. Oh, that yeah. that cube was a ton of fun to play. I ended up playing like I got. Uh, oh, what is it? The the conspir. I got two of the conspiracy that uh, doubles a spell in your deck. Um, <laughs> yep. And yep. Uh, so I I drafted like three dark rituals and like three um lightning bolts and just had a bunch of brain geysers and i was like trying to draw a bunch of cards and then i had i think it's it's like a four mana sorcery that deals damage equal to the amount of cards in your hand and that whole idea of the deck was like trying to get a bunch of cards in hand and then cast that and like kill a player i didn't end up pulling it off but uh the, it was a ton of fun playing that cube and i know reed that your deck was oh, kind of was... insane <laughs> it... <laughs> I would even, I, I would, if I had seen you read constructed by a mad scientist, then yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so just for context for anybody listening, uh, Alan from uh, Mental Misplay, um, first of all, fantastic dude, go subscribe to him if you haven't already, um, did coverage of the finals for the event, actually, um, for Okadoberfest, which was 
uh, really well done in my opinion. I, I think Alan's like the person, the perfect person uh, to be doing that stuff. But um, uh, he has a multiplayer cube um with just like a bunch of like stuff from conspiracy, but also like classic eternal staples and like some dreams that you can live and it is just like just the best time um you can draft conspiracies in it there's like some draft matters cards as well like uh again like from conspiracy sets just super cool stuff um oh, i ended up building it, yeah uh, the special pack that had like crystal oh, in them. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well because there was what there wow what card is it uh it brings in a pack from outside the draft into lore the seeker as i want to well. say is the yeah I, yeah. yeah i think it's lore seeker just just tons of fun um i ended up putting together a uh the first three cards in my draft were um baladar guardian uh or sorry it was like it was sahili Hurai, uh the conspiracy that um uh whenever you Oh, no, no, sorry. Uh, the conspiracy that uh, when you start the game, you draw two hands of seven and then pick one as your as your hand that you start with mulligans. Um, and then Sahili Rai. And I was just like, okay, yeah, we're just doing this. <laughs> this is the deck that I'm building. And it ended up being an absolute monstrosity with uh, three... I forget what it is. It's the conspiracy that you name two creatures secretly, and then whenever you cast one of them, you go and search for the other one out of your deck and put it in your hand. So I got three of those plus a Lutri. And then I also had Valdar Guardian, Jeru, and then the new Meld Urza plus the Mightstone and the Meekstone. And all three of the conspiracy named Lutri plus one of the other combo pieces. So the idea of the deck was to put Lutri in your hand, cast Lutri, and then tutor Valdar Guardian, Jeru, and Urza all at once. Um, which is just, yeah, just a great time. I also had the double uh given sorcery conspiracy uh which i named bribery with and ended up bribery double briberying in a game to get razaketh and hallbreaker horror yes also yeah great time <laughs> yeah because um liliana you almost managed Divine. to lose that game too that was i, very I almost lost that game i was like it, it took a lot to actually get to that point because i had milled over the bribery earlier in the game or no no sorry I think Lily had discarded it from my hand, actually. I think I'd been Thoughtseize or something. Yeah, Liliana uh, so... at Defiant Necro on Twitter yes. uh, was very on brand with her picks. Oh, just, yeah, <laughs> mono black. All had drafted both Grizzlebrand and Razzaketh as well as just being mono black aggro. Just, yeah, there like, was the a, most on like, brand um, deck. What is it? The Massacre Worm and stuff like that. It was kind yeah. of an insane pile of black cards. <laughs> um,. Uh, took those and it, it like that that yeah that turn took a lot to get through because i had lost uh so i i i had lost the bribery out of, from a discard spell and had hit a had played a mystic my mystic sanctuary earlier in the game without it being online and that was my only recursion left so it took like uh it took um activating like a loot to find an island off the top to play the island, cast Felidar Guardian, Felidar blink the, um, blink the Mystic Sanctuary to put the bribery back on top into another impulse draw to draw it and then cast it again. It was just, like, dumb turn. <laughs> and then Morgan had also a dumb deck. That <laughs> I was I drafting, <laughs> like, a, just, just, you know, an absolutely miserable blue-white control deck, um, and then got past a world knit, like, halfway through pack three and just sort of went 
yeah, fuck it, we're doing yeah. this. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah it was hilarious because uh, it turned out that Reed and I were, like, very much fighting over the same cards. But Yeah, I was, uh, like, drafting, like, blue-white blink as the base for my deck, and Morgan was drafting blue-white it was a nine-player draft, and so there were... On one side of the table, there were three people between us, and on the other side of the table, there were four people between us. So we just, like, at that point, any signal is just gone, right? Like, yeah, like yeah. there's, <laughs> if it was like, oh, when I'm, when I'm, like, receiving cards from Reed, there's, there's no blue. But it's like, oh, there's a person completely on the opposite side of the table in the same archetype as <laughs> yeah. me. I, like, How am I, I ever it, I supposed to figure this out? I had an indication that I wasn't seeing all the blink cards that I should be. There was probably somebody contesting me. But, like, by the time that I picked up fully on it, it was, like, halfway through pack two or, like, near the end of pack two. And I was just like, whatever, I'm too committed. <laughs> we'll just keep drafting. But, yeah, so, world in the deck. Disgusting. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was a spicy one. We, we found... Uh, we found a Lake of the Dead, and uh, we got to use that to uh, to cast a Consecrated Sphinx on, like, turn four, and then just followed up uh, with, like, you know, I Reflector Maged, like, two or three times, and had Hostage Taker, and then wiped the board, and then wiped the board again, and then basically, <laughs> the game didn't exactly... And uh, I I killed one of my opponents who was Alana who was playing she she had ISO Rev but like her only real source of mana was a metal worker um, <laughs> yeah Alana so she had to the entire draft just trying to live the metal worker <laughs> so like I mean she she passed the turn with Isochron Scepter Dramatic Reversal Metal Worker and Sensei's top in play uh, so so we were we were almost dead. Um, <laughs> but I managed to uh, land my uh, land my austere command naming artifacts, and she was she was not very happy with me, which you know justifiably so. I am the worst. <laughs> but um, is that when she called you a terrorist? Uh, on she called me a terrorist on many occasions during that, that <laughs> game. Let's let's be very clear about that. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was a wild one. Um, and you know I. I ended that game with, uh, with, like, a, a fully melded Brazella and a Cogla in play. Um, just, you know, because sometimes... <laughs> Worldnet is, like, kind of not okay. I, I feel like because Conspiracy was, like, such a meme set, that got overlooked, but, like... I, yeah. I honestly, I honestly think that, like, if Worldnet was in, like, the Vintage Cube on MTGO... I think I would pick it, like, over Black Lotus every time. Yeah, I mean, especially Worldnet in a in a cube that's designed to be relatively high power and, like, is powered and has, like, a bunch of, like, really, really dumb value creatures plus, like, hyper-synergy stuff. It's just, like, yeah, I can take this Worldnet and I'm, like, never gonna see a bad card this entire draft. Yeah, like, literally just draft the best card out of every pack. Or I just like... draft a just draft a land because you don't care because it taps for any color and that way your deck doesn't have to be massive. I'm really glad you got to live the Brazella dream though. That's amazing. That is, yeah, that is pretty good. I feel like I feel like it's the Brazella nightmare though. You know, like like just <laughs> it's very fitting with the cards and the lore that 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 is not a dream. It's a nightmare. It, it is definitely a nightmare. You are correct. <laughs> 
I God, I I need to get back around to playing Divergent Transformations to try to make Rosella. <laughs> I that was that was in a deck at one point. I I no, still have yet to ever meld that into game of CDH, but it's so cool. But they bad it's so cool. down. It's a it's a Divergent pile that quote unquote wins through all the stacks. It's great. Sit. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I need a you should still model. build it. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Honestly, I'm of a mind to immediately after this podcast. So if anybody sees that pop up on my mox field, don't be confused. <laughs> Just remember about this podcast episode. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh my. So Alan's Cube was a great time. Uh, we got some good games in. Uh, after um the tournament, as we said. Um. Uh, and I know at least for me, uh, and I know for Morgan, Claire, I'm assuming you probably had some amount of this experience as well, but, um, uh, we had a bunch of people come up, uh, that weekend and say hi, um, and say that they're either fans of the podcast or just knew us from being online in the CDH sphere, at least me and Morgan being terminally online for CDH, um, uh, and just come up and say hi and had a bunch of really cool conversations and stuff, so. I, I was really happy to see that. It's still completely surreal to me that, like, more than two people listen to our podcast every week uh, that aren't Zach. Um, so, great to hear from y'all. Uh, and, again, highly encourage people to, if you're in the area for one of these tournaments, to come out and hang out. Or if you're going to them anyway, then just come up and say hi. Uh, and I'm more than happy to sit down, have a talk, maybe play some games. Just jam. But Reed, do you sign but you cards? Two are, you two are wonderful. I mean, like I know that my uh, my the my mentor with ZDH, uh, Alex the Manoweb, talks very highly of both of you. So I appreciate that. Even after um, <laughs> Morgan stopped writing articles for him wholesale, and I promised that I would write articles for him, and it just didn't. <laughs> I appreciate <laughs> that we're still on good terms. <laughs> Look, it's just that uh, writing is so much yep. effort. <laughs> I just <laughs> yeah. sorry, sorry. I did. I did just sort of drive by you with that one. Before yeah, we well, man. Your train of thought. <laughs> oh, no worries. <laughs> uh, but Morgan, you were saying something. Just oh, uh, no, I I was just joking. I, I asked if you sign cards. Oh <laughs> yes, a, yeah. Uh, I a story there. This, <laughs> that weekend, I did in fact sign. Um, God, my second survival of the fittest, which is so cursed. <laughs> um, yeah, I I ended up having to sign. Oh no, sorry, I'm terrible with names. Um, uh, I'm wow. gonna go look back, and I'm gonna go put your name in the description because you were such a great person, and we played a game uh in the stream room together. Uh, he was on. Shuffle at La Polani, fantastic game. He ended up taking it down uh, in, I think, round four of the Swiss. Uh, and the uh, on-stream was really awesome. Came up after we meant to play games, didn't end up getting around to it, and I ended up survival, signing the Survival of the Fittest, which was awesome. And sorry, I'm terrible with names. It's escaping me in the moment. I'll give you full thanks in the description for this episode. Um, I'm actually writing this into the show notes right now um, because I really appreciate it. We had some great interactions. We talked after... Um, we talked uh, after that round, after a couple of rounds, and it was a really good time. So, um, thank you. I sort of ruined this completely, but yeah. Anyway, the 
uh, fun story is that I've now signed two survival of the fittest, like real survival of the fittest, and I don't know why people keep asking me to. <laughs> it's like actually physically painful every time I do. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure your response was like, "If that's what you want me to do, I'll do it." But yep. like, it's like I, I don't think but you should want why? this. <laughs> uh, um yeah uh i think that's about all i had um in terms of talking about the event directly um y'all have anything else that you want to talk about uh in pertaining to okotoberfest um not, uh, not that i can think of i think we've really discussed the meat of it um but i yeah, was great. definitely wonderful to see a lot of people I saw at Punt City and meet some new people as well that I knew online. And uh, it was really just a wonderful weekend for sure. Yeah, 100%. Um, cool. So with that, I think we'll uh, move off of our main topic and into <laughs> everybody's favorite <laughs> part of the show. So I'm laughing because I know it's coming next, but I'm not sure if we actually have a segment here. But <laughs> um, time for everybody's favorite segment. Gut check. Gut check. Yeah. Claire, do you want to give us a gut check? Any style that you want, whatever your personal style is. Uh, what do you mean exactly? Can you give me just an just example? say the words gut yeah, check in some check. some recognizably oh, different gotcha. way from your normal yep. speaking voice. Gut check. There we go. You know nice. That I that's that's actually super appreciated. That's a very clear <laughs> gut check, and I think I, I think that was actually like that's actually probably a niche that we've been missing for the entirety of the runtime of this podcast. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Um, um Morgan. Alright, let's maybe had a gut check before we started the show and then we run into it and hopefully we have one now. <laughs> so do we? Yeah. Um I I guess my my gut check is uh what is the one card in the uh in the the main board of your deck that you just it just wouldn't be the same without that's the best way uh, to phrase it <laughs> uh, of the deck you took to to Oktoberfest to Oktoberfest i mean i have my answer <laughs> oh yeah i've got mine too all right reed you want to lead us off cool Sure, sacred guide. <laughs> I not, mean, unfortunately, unfortunately, not a particularly difficult <laughs> choice. Um, I mean, if you mean like, if you mean like, not at all the same strategy. I uh, guess, like, yeah, I, I would say, like, it, yeah. it shouldn't just be like directly the wing gun, you know, like. Oh sure, I mean, like, well, like what's yeah, the I mean, the de the card that you're like? I, oh yeah, this is like. You look at it, you're like, oh yeah, it's all coming together. Uh, so that one is, yeah, that's probably Seaborn using that deck, because, like, I don't, I don't think that deck is anywhere close to the same thing without specifically a Seaborn using it, so I'll lock that one in. I'd love, okay, I wish, so I wish we knew everyone's <laughs> lifetime Thrasios activation count, I, and just how, I, I how much of a lead Reed has. I definitely, I definitely cracked top two, and I'm not sure that it's particularly close below that i'm not sure who's above me but i'm just leaving assuming you don't count any minutes yeah 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 uh claire right, claire mine is mine is okay first off um i've never seen the walking dead show but <laughs> mine is definitely 
Rick Steadfast Leader. I love that card. <laughs> um, that card is like kind of not okay. It's really yeah, not. Honestly. Like it's really good. <laughs> um and it's gotten me out of like so many awkward board states with like first strike lifelink. Um and then the anthem, oh, it's just it it is my favorite card to cast in Winota. Um it's a great card to see off the top, but I love just like casting it into a board state too that's like really kind of gummed up. Um, especially if the game is kind of focused around combat. And yeah, it's just a joy to see. Um, I always feel very powerful when I've got Rick in play. So big fan <laughs> of that card for sure. Honestly, Honestly I feel yeah. like what's crazy about Rick is that uh, it would be like entirely reasonable and totally playable if the Anthem and like ability granting effect didn't apply to itself. Yeah. <laughs> But it does. <laughs> but it does for reasons. The fact that it makes itself a five six for for reasons is just like so dumb. Yeah, four mana five six with lifelink and first strike, chef's kiss. Really. Yeah, that's also just an anthem. <laughs> yeah. Also, it's it's a little wild to me that you said first strike when like <laughs> I feel like it's supposed to be vigilance because. All your stuff is just way too big to to beat in combat anyways. So, even I say, I pick Vigilance a lot, but um, the game where he was relevant, um, I was playing against Jetmir, as I mentioned before, so there were a lot of four toughness creatures on the mm. battlefield with, like, five power, and I needed to, like, not get hit on um, and they also had first strike because of the jet mirror so right. i needed to um, be able to trade at least yeah and so that made first strike an easy choice um i like it like first strike as a choice a lot of the time um vigilance is definitely more often correct especially with most cdh board states with creatures being somewhat small um on the most part but uh yeah, no, I I have a special kind of joy when I can do life like first strike though, because I just I know it's supposed to be vigilance a lot of the time, but when I when I get to pick first strike when it feels like the right answer, uh, I feel kind of invincible with that card out. So <laughs> honestly, reasonable. <laughs> All right, uh, mine man, it's yeah. like it's such a tough call. There's, <laughs> I feel like I'm not gonna say survival because I. have spoken enough yeah. about survival on this podcast you, do, you, you have a couple of signature cards in that deck <laughs> so i think i think i'm gonna say biomancer's familiar um, <laughs> yeah wow that's actually a crazy one yeah i mean like it just uh it, it obviously like works really well with thrasios it's super accessible because it's creature tutorable and uh it makes uh it makes emil uh there was a game where I, I didn't quite find the time to get it online, but, like, I had a few opportunities to set up. Biomancer's familiar, Emil, is just, like, um, your board can't be removed, ever. Yeah. Um, it's just, like, one mana counter-target removal spell on your board. Um, just kind of, kind of messed up. Uh, and then uh, I did get to, as I said earlier on stream, uh, do the the disgusting Yisan line of end step, get uh, get Queer and Ranger, untap, get the Biomancers familiar, and then Jesus. green, get an untapper, green, get an untapper, green, get Kiki. Um, so I just, yeah, it was end step, Yisan on so zero, disgusting. untap, you're dead. Um and it just like yeah it fits 
with Thrasios, Yisan, and Emil, which are like all sort of the main engines of the deck in a lot of ways, other than obviously like the specific pod Vanifar combo line. They're like the pieces that fit in around it, and it just works super well with all of them, and is a creature, which means you can tutor it very, very easily. Hey, it's a it's a green creature. That that means that moves it up like literal multiple tiers in your mental tier list, I'm assuming. <laughs> I actually Green creatures don't, all the way to the top. I don't like Green Suns as a card, really. Like uh, I, yeah. I it's a card that I like no, generally I, I, I wanna cut, so the fact that it's green, meh. Well, I just meant in general, not really in, in like pertaining to green sun it's just like green creature in general. Equals. I mean, sorry, card. like it makes it better there. in that like it's very tutorable because you get green creature tutors. But even if it was like blue red, it would still be more or less just as good in. Oh, the deck sure. I was just I was just bringing to light how we're both addicts to green decks, and that like, a little any bit creature yeah. being green just <laughs> just means that it's it's automatically better. Like, man, for dude, sure. Dockside was red-green. Oh, boy. Get that into my veins. <laughs> uh, cool. Uh, so that's gut check. Uh, and then we do have a bit more time in the episode. Uh, so I think we're going to do a quick listener question as well. Um, this one, actually, I, so I picked this one and then sort of realized that it's, like, almost completely exclusionary to <laughs> Claire's experience, unfortunately. Uh, but we'll try to get through it <laughs> relatively quickly. Um, so this listener question comes from Espen, uh, on the Discord. Again, uh, reminder that, uh, both for the gut check and for the listener question, uh, we have channels on our Discord where you can, uh, submit, uh, listener questions for us to answer on the episode, as well as, uh, patrons can submit gut check ideas, uh, and you can all go vote on, uh, the previous gut checks for all previous episodes on the Discord, so you should go do that, because it's a fun thing to do, and also engagement, and also, you know, you get to hang out in the Discord, talk to us. If you ever would want to do that for some reason. <laughs> anyway, from Espen. Uh, Espen asks, how do you evaluate three to four mana value engines in Thrasios decks? Um, examples being stum- something like Arctic Mage Emeritus or Teferi Time, uh, Master of Time um, uh, versus like slotting in stuff like uh, additional interaction over those. Um, it's actually sort of an interesting question uh, in terms of like how much are you willing to like how many... Thrasios activations are you willing to sacrifice to like cast fat things instead? I feel like it doesn't um, it, it it honestly doesn't just apply like if the meta continues down this mid-range trend, I don't think this is a question that just applies to Thrasios decks. Like no, I think this is a question honestly. that that Timnacron players might also start asking themselves, like Yeah, I mean Hey, how does Teferi something Master like of... a Teferi Master of Time sound? Yeah, Teferi Master of Time is like not a stranger to Team K decks especially like TNK Nas Breach decks. So um, I'd be interested to see if it makes its way back into a lot of those builds uh, in a bit down the line, maybe a couple of tournaments, a few months down the line. Um, maybe we'll see some Teferi Master of Times at Silicon Dynasty. Although maybe not. I, I feel like Teferi Master of Times sort of had like its time in the sun for like half a year, like last year-ish. Uh, and it's sort of just been like falling off a bit in four-color decks since then, but you never know. I, I feel like people when it came out they were like looting's not that good i don't really need to like kill it i can just you know go face or like whatever and then a few times they either had their thing phased out or got uh you know the person actually got to take the extra turns and then people went okay yeah i guess we should kill this and now it just kind of gets crunched uh yeah 
but but it is like an you end up accruing a ridiculous amount of card selection though too you definitely do like the persistent card selection of that card feels like the real power like the phasing out is like nice to have as a second option um and does get used a bunch but my god the filtering on that card gets out of control very quickly yeah i mean and then if you've got any sort of graveyard interaction or graveyard synergies feeling breach is like definitely a huge part of it yeah i think i think uh there is definitely a place for these cards um, one that a few people I play with have actually been toying with in their 99s and 98s is Rafine, which I think, if unfortunately, if Rafine wasn't white, I think it might actually be the solution to the, <laughs> the Crom problem, problem that, uh, yeah. <laughs> that the Sacred Guide players are, are looking for, but uh, unfortunately you can't play it with, with Sacred Guide. But, um, yeah, there there is definitely... Uh, you know, a sense in which, like, activating Thrasios is not, maybe not, like, quite good enough on its own anymore. Um, which I think is why, like, we've both evolved towards, I think now we're both running uh, Training Grounds and Biomancer's Familiar, and that's, like, <laughs> that has increased over time from, you know, I think we started with, like, one out of four, or we're... Was there a time when actually neither of us were on either card? I think I'm not sure. Anyways. Maybe not this year, but probably, like, at some point um, in the yeah. recent past. And and so, like, I, I certainly see the, the idea behind, like, hey, if four mana scry one draw card isn't good enough, like, maybe four mana, you know, over the next three turns draw, like, five or six cards is good enough. Um, but I think it, like, it really does, particularly when you're talking about three and four mana engines, um, it really does get in the way of things and like tapping that mana down at sorcery speed is yeah. super awkward. Um, I still have That's a soft actually... spot in my heart for smothering tithe precisely because <laughs> yeah. it's like, yes, you tap out to cast it, but like you but still have the mana to interact. Um, yeah. This is and... actually, like, I think that I would actually even potentially call that the primary axis on which I might evaluate three and four mana um, engines and, like Thrasios decks specifically, like especially decks that are looking to leverage Thrasios to um um relatively high degrees compared to like if you're playing like I don't know like Thras Javesh like Turbo or something like that. Um is that like the ability to hold up a Thrasios activation for a turn cycle while also representing like some amount of interaction is like so important in a lot of those slots that like or in a lot of those spots that like tapping out instead for a value engine which i mean teferi does interact with the board but doesn't necessarily interact on the stack um and a lot of these value engines aren't going to interact really necessarily at all with winter temps um or power plays uh it, like it sort of puts you in a, a really uncomfortable place a lot of the time to the point where like realistically if you have enough mana that you can both slam one of these and hold up reasonable amounts of interaction like potentially the answer is just that you should be running like maybe just more tutors for seaborn use instead yeah i also feel like uh some of the strength of the way we tend to play these mid-rangey decks is like you never actually want to cast a spell that's good enough to counter until it's too late yeah. right like i Obviously, the exception there is, like, exactly Seedborn Muse, but... Uh, Just because it's, like, it's so difficult to counter. <laughs> yeah, but, like, you, you never want... Like, even a card like Ristic Study, which, like, we've discussed as, oh, if you don't think you can win, like, just tutor Ristic Study, 
there are times where it's like, I'm not going to tutoristic study. Like, that's not resolving. I'm going to go for, like, Biomancer's Familiar or whatever because I think that's, yeah. like, you know, that's, like, the most threatening thing I can cast without, like, actually having people do something about it. Uh, yeah, exactly. And I think when you start putting in, like, maybe Fabro Elder is, like, the top end of that. But I think when you get higher than that, it uh, it becomes a problem pretty quickly as people start to interact with you. And then uh, then it's, like, double bad because you're tapping out of your own interaction and drawing someone else's interaction. And it just creates yeah, yeah, super exactly. spoopy windows. But, I don't know, maybe they'll print some stuff with Flash that, like, actually, you know... I could I could see like slotting in like some three mana, I mean like to an extent you know s- stuff sort of like Archivist of Ogma tier, but at at yeah. three. I was actually about to um, say like a mega Archivist of Ogma um wouldn't be something that I'd be opposed to running in a lot of Thrasios decks, even if it was like three or four mana. Like obviously better than Archivist, but like you know in in that space. Uh, cool. Um. I hope we have satisfactorily <laughs> answered in a satisfactory manner uh, your question, Espen. Thanks for the uh, question. Yeah. Um, I think that should about wrap it up for this episode of the Ancient North Podcast. Um, before we close it out, I would like to turn the floor over to Claire uh, to go promote yourself and uh, let the people out there know what you're doing, where they can find you, uh, where they should go check out. Yeah, so um, I, as I mentioned up top, I'm a member of the uh, Who Brewed This content creation team. Um, we currently stream, and uh, we haven't released a video in a little while uh, on YouTube, but you can find us at, uh, just search Who Brewed This on YouTube uh, for some um, pre-recorded CDH content. We've also been uploading our VODs from our stream there. Uh, we stream on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Who Brewed This as well. Um and uh, you can find us there typically Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time or so. We typically stream for like two or three hours. Um, and um, I know Scoots is good for some funny jokes, too, so it can be pretty entertaining. Um, oh, yeah, it's a uh, great you, Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. And I love Pedro, too. Um, frustrating to play against sometimes because he, <laughs> he loves his rule of law decks and he loves his stony silence. But, no, he's an excellent player and a great friend for sure. Um, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Anxiety Elemental. It's, uh, at A-N-X-I, the number eight, I-E-L-E-M-E-N-T-A-L. Um, and I mostly, uh, piss off legacy players, I guess. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> you, I, we, we almost went the entire episode. <laughs> uh, you know a what? Little, a little you know what? I appreciate, I appreciate the little pin in the, yeah. the episode right at the end there. Um, so, yep. Thanks, Claire, so much for coming on. Uh, mm-hmm. It's much appreciated. Honestly, anytime. Um, uh, and yeah, that about wraps it up for this episode. Um, if you guys would like to reach out to us with any questions, comments, or concerns, you can contact us on Twitter at Into the North Pod via our email, Into the North Podcast at gmail.com, or on our Discord server, the invite link for which can be found in the description for the episode. 
Uh, an extra special thanks goes towards all of our patrons who help cover the expenses for our show and allow us to work toward improving the quality of the podcast. If you, too, would like to become a patron, we are at patreon.com slash into the north podcast. Another way you can support us is via our TCG Player affiliate link. Uh, anytime you would want to purchase something from TCG Player, use our affiliate link, which is in the description for this episode. A portion of your purchase goes towards supporting the podcast. Thank you, as always, to the band Vox Cadre for our lovely podcast music and to Nate's lover for our equally lovely podcast logo. Next episode will be out in two weeks. Till then, see ya. Bye.